Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 60 of Death Readers, the podcast where we read through the Harry Potter book series. This is my first time reading through it. Rob's read through it many times. And we, together, are going to experience it this first time. And in this book, the last time. Yeah. So, uh, this is this is episode 60, as I said, of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. The last book in the Harry Potter series until J.K. Rowling needs more money. Um, Which might be soon. In, in this... In this chapter we're going to or episode we're going to be going through chapters four five and six we we go through these chapters uh if you'd like to read along i think the best way to do it is to uh read the chapters we are reading you know this this episode and then so so you can know what we're talking about when we reference the page numbers um and you can go oh yeah i did just read that that is interesting hmm, they're totally right as opposed to what you should not do well, we want to it's not that you shouldn't do it we just want to let you let you understand that like if you just listen to us and then like recall from memory how the books go oh yeah that's gonna suck you're gonna you're gonna end up not agreeing with us yeah but if you go back and you read it and then you listen to what we're saying i think you'll see we got pretty good points Yeah, really good points read along uh like that because it'll probably help if not i don't care just thanks for listening <laughs> say at the end of every episode i don't really care just like this is the best way to, i think to listen to our podcast is to read along yeah it's absolutely so, true um so we we because otherwise you're just gonna you're just gonna listen to like five minutes of it and fall asleep because you're listening to it at yeah, night time, right? And and like, or you're gonna listen to it. You're not you're gonna get it into your subconscious. And I mean, maybe that would be the best way to listen to it. That's then not like, a bad idea. Will will influence people's like unconscious mind, oh and then they'll like just they'll just have our essence in their brains forever and they no, won't know why it's there. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. we can inception everyone with how we read Harry Potter through their sleep if they if they listen while they sleep buy your husband a macbook i don't okay that's very specific what? no that's what not. if the person listening isn't married to a man who said they had to be married to a man i said buy your husband a macbook yeah but like there, okay. there's people who that won't apply to is what i'm saying you're saying it wasn't subtle enough no i'm saying it was like it was too i'm saying if you want to influence the if you want to open your net up you you want to you know get go wide, then you want to say, buy Rob a MacBook. I was actually just trying to go for one person I know would be asleep while this was playing. Um, I, yeah, I know. I'm saying like if you say buy Rob a MacBook, then you'll you have more than one like likelihood of more than one person just buying you a MacBook. You're saying our audience is going to flood me with MacBooks. Yeah, you guys I, are the I, no, best. I'm saying, I'm saying don't like put a, bo- a barrier up to that happening okay. by by commit by like, by having random unknown husbands getting MacBooks and they don't know why. I don't I don't care if they get a MacBook as long as they get a MacBook. You, your point is valid. It should be more about me. I understand this. I gave you the prints for Christmas, and I feel like you haven't read it. <laughs> Just from the way you go about your life. And the way you say and do things, I feel like you haven't Look, really I started fully realized it, but, the person you are. But Machiavelli is just all about that Medici D. He's just like, oh, Medici, oh, I love you, oh, mm, no. So move past it. Like, it's, okay, I'm, wor- I'm, working, I'm working out. I'm working my way through it. It's not a big book, Rob. <laughs> it's, it's basically a pamphlet. But it's got really good information in it for what you what you want in life. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just have to have the confidence to take it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. anyway um, so do we have any housekeeping? You know, I kept thinking I did, but nothing's coming to me. 
Did I write a note down? Or did I just write a scribble a note in the book last time? I think that might have been it. No, I, I don't think I have any. Do you have any housekeeping? I don't remember. I don't think so. Well, whatever. We can just move on. True. Let's get into the chapters. What? Okay. That brings us to chapter four. The Seven Putters. Now, why couldn't this have been chapter seven? Did you notice that? Did you notice that there were seven potters? Yeah. There's seven books. Oh, seven years at Hogwarts. Like seven potters. Mm. Seven years at Hogwarts. Seven Horcruxes. Seven foundering members of the school. There's seven heads of the ministry. Every child has seven parents. Uh, every sack has seven cats. Every cat has seven kits. Uh, the the goblet has seven uh, contestants. Wizards. Yep. Yeah, seven contestants. The Sept um, Wizard Tournament. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven, Diag- or uh, Privet Drive. Yep, yep, yep. Um, number seven, Grim Old Place. Just, right, right. Um, people usually get sentenced to seven years in Azkaban. There's a famous line, seven years. I did my waiting, seven years of it in Azkaban. You gotta, uh, you gotta s- score seven quaffles in Quidditch to win a match. Ron scored seven waffles at breakfast. Would you stop eating? Uh, famously, seven sorting hats. Mm-hmm. Seven founders of Hogwarts. Seven houses. I said that already. Damn it. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to page notes. What's your first page note? 43. Okay, you're first. Okay, 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 okay. Now, exeunt the Dursleys. <laughs> <laughs> again! They did it again! Oh, can't edit it out. It's too good. That was amazing. <laughs> you have to do that seven times. <laughs> oh. You okay? Yeah, yeah. Exit the Dudleys. Um, they're gone. Dursley has seven letters. It's magic. It is magic. Yeah, but I just. I, I felt I jumped the gun. I didn't know we were going to have that first paragraph of them finally being out of the pit. I thought walking out of the house was good enough, but no. Gotta, in case you missed three sentences ago, here we are again. Yeah, it's like that. It's a little bit like that uh, end of the chapter uh, in a couple, like, la- the last book where they were like, and then Harry and Ginny just went for a walk around the ho- grounds of Hogwarts, wink. And then, and it was like, the, that was the end of the chapter. It's like, oh, that's sweet. And then the next chapter starts with, they snog for two weeks. <laughs> 49 days later. Uh, they have they have their own, a, a, a fortnight later. God damn it. They have their own, uh, you know, they're they're clearly a real couple now. Yep. Uh, it felt kind of like that. Oh, totally. Uh, like, uh, and it's sort of like, oh, no, I promise this is, this is like closure. Yeah, we got some of that in these chapters. Some closure finally. Um, sure. What's your next note? Forty-three, forty-four, which includes a read-along chapter, Ooh. or a read-along passage rather. Your favorite. I do like to read aloud. Starting at the bottom of page forty-three, at long ago, long ago, when he had been left alone while the Dursleys went out to enjoy themselves, the hours of solitude had been a rare treat. Pausing only to sneak something tasty from the fridge, he had rushed upstairs to play on Dudley's computer or put on the television and flicked through the channels to his heart's content. Bullshit. So my note was, fond remembrances of violating a personal space. Okay. But there was another part. There was a two-part note. It gave him... Sorry, I should have kept reading. 
It gave him an odd, empty feeling to remember those times. It was like remembering a younger brother whom he had, had lost, which seemed like another dark simile again. She had just done that. In the, well, I forget what it was now. That, that, oh, Dumbledore screaming like a child dying of thirst. Yeah. And it's just like, what's happening? But it just, it just shows, I mean, Harry both really enjoying the, um, haha, they're gone, I can flout all the rules, slash dead child thing again just struck me all at once well the way i read that wasn't that he was doing that he wasn't like flipping through the channels and and getting the snacks and playing on dudley's computer tonight no 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 no. he was remembering it he was remembering it right and that's what i call bullshit on Uh, okay is i'm pretty sure that there's a moment in the second or third book where he describes never getting time alone when he's like, because he goes to the lady's house, whose house smells really bad. Sure, I'm with you. Oh, I just, I feel like he also has set this up in, thing, in like, I think in the first book when they're going to go to the zoo. And he's like, I could stay at home. And his interior monologue was like he could finally watch, watch what he wanted on TV or even have a go on Dudley's computer. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. So she's rewriting the narrative. She's, she's, yeah, she's changing his character history mm-hmm. to fit her current needs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Because that's how she writes. Like there, there's a, believe me, there's a lot more of that in these chapters. There sure is. And, and it's just like, it's, uh, it, it just seems really transparent to me and, and lame. Like, cause that's, it's supposed to be a real defining part about the abuse he suffers right. at the hands of the Dursleys is that they don't even, they don't even trust him to be at home alone to do anything unless of course, cause this, that, that section was worded really weirdly to where it may have been written in the present tense. Like it may have been written. Like he was doing that tonight, mm. eating, sneaking the food from the fridge, watching the TVs and playing on Dudley's computer, which if that's the case, which I don't think it is, but it, it because is. of how, because of how strangely it's written, I, I had to like reread it a couple times long ago um, when he had been left. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That when, like, cause uh, when, just when, yeah, that's when fair. is long ago? Was it last summer? Was it? Because it isn't the first book. Book six was the one where they thought they had, Was it? no, it was book five where they thought they had an award and they made him stay by himself. That might have been the first time he was left by himself. I don't know. It, it certainly seems like there's enough emphasis, emphasis rather on him being, him not being allowed to be alone mm-hmm. earlier that this idea of him reflecting fondly on being left alone seems like a conflict of, of history. Sure. So I'm not saying I have to know where he is at every given moment, but it's an important part of early aspects of his character that this never happens. Reflecting fondly on it as if it did happen makes the other instances kind of invalid. Mm -hmm. Even if, and and again, if, even if these instances happened after that event, he's not explaining that. He's not saying like the one time I got to be home and flip through the channels and have a snack and and play on Dudley's computer. This is clearly a callback to the thing you're describing of a have a go on Dudley's computer. It's right. clearly a callback to that desire, but that desire was never actualized, at least on paper and at least in a way that would like support the character. So it's 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 poopy to me. It is poopy. Uh, forty-seven is my next note. Forty-seven is my next. Why note. don't you go first? Uh so. I'm uh, con- still confused about how this trace thing works <laughs> because it seems to function however JK needs it to function in any situation where like 
Sometimes it's like, oh, whatever. If there's adults in the room, we don't care. Other times it's, we have a tracking device on you. On you specifically. We know what you're doing. Which fucking is it? <laughs> like, is if it's both, help me understand that it's both. Right. Because it really comes off like it just is whatever you want it to be, which feels lazy. Yeah. And it feels, uh, you know... selfish (laughs) (laughs) like give us a goddamn like like just make it make sense or like abandon it right like uh whatever you you Uh, put too many limiters on you early on that you can't do what you want to do now and you can't figure out how to get out of it without just changing the rules yeah is what it seems like she's doing yeah so what's what's your note oh it was just a sarcastic oh the trace that's all cleared up then Mm -hmm. now we know about Mm -hmm. the trace Mm -hmm. that's what Mm -hmm. it's called and Mm -hmm. uh that's Mm -hmm. how they do it that's how I figured out. Mm-hmm. It's tracing you. It's not exactly the opposite, which was defined earlier yeah. in book five. Right. In book five, you know, where Harry has to go to a fucking trial. Right. Where they describe how everything works. Right. Fuck. Or like, or like, here's my, another question. Okay, so like, all these guys apparate or show up at Harry's, at, at, at number four Privet Drive. Is that not triggering all these, like? Oh, they didn't apparate. They didn't apparate. I thought some of them did. I thought they uh, they arrived, but they were disillusioned because he went to the backyard and they all removed their disillusionment charms. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, they just flew in. The disillusionment makes sense then. Anyway, for later. My next note is page 56. Uh, 50. Um, this I this is one of those I, I don't think I was reading clear enough. That's why I was I, I, I pay attention because at first I'm like, why couldn't they do these other eight things? But I guess... Mm-hmm. They couldn't do a port key. They couldn't apparate. But it seems like they still could have gotten him out without just physically leaving. You could have had some removals men bring the the vanishing cabinet from Borgen and Burks and gone into Hogwarts and disapparated from there. I mean, I feel like you could have transfigured Harry into a letter and mailed him. I mean, there's shit you could do with magic that would be creative. That should be able to get around this shit, and it just. I mean, th- this is a pretty creative idea. I think the the, the polyjuice potion, like having polyjuice pay, potion pay off one more time. Sure, 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 and it's a it's a it's a it's a fun scene as far as it goes. But I'm just it, it is very likely. I'm surprised they got away with as few casualties as they did. Well, and and that's why I think I really like, like this this okay. method because it it does involve casualties. It's actually risky this time, like like shit happens finally something happens i agree with all those things narratively but i'm just thinking with the with the ability to use magic a better solution could have been come up with and that's the problem with magic as a as the as the lubricant in your in your narrative Mm -hmm. is that it it yes you can make things move along but it's slippery like you have to be careful like if you if you're not careful you'll end up in this trap where it's like well but you can literally do anything you can imagine because magic right i mean and then it's and and that's even more obvious when you defy your own rules that you set in place to make things you know uh tense mm-hmm. to add tension it's just it's not very this is problematic Tran- i'm not even going to say it's not very good it's just it's extremely problematic transfer harry into a flea and flesh him hermione literally can change Oh, oh, she was actually an Animagus, so never mind. Um, 
Yeah, man, I don't know. It... Oh, what if you had Dobby come up, come in, and and disapparate with Harry, like because they're the apparition magic for elves is different. As this book will prove, there is literally nothing wrong with that idea. Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um. Well, so maybe they just haven't thought of it yet. I guess give it a, give it about not four hundred more pages. Once again, I figured it out before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 53 is my next one. 56. Really? Interesting. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just attuned to it now because of you. This is when uh, Fleur is hairy and is Mm -hmm. uh, flirting with Bill or looking. Oh, trans stuff? No. Oh, okay. It was really loud. Sorry. Um (laughs) Fleur walked over to stand beside him, Bill, giving him a soppy, slavish look that Harry Ew. hoped with all of his heart would never appear on his face again. And I was kind of like, what the fuck? And you forget, I can totally forgive you for um, missing it because it's S-L-A-V hyphen new line I-S-H. Yeah, yeah. I think I read it as like... Slavish, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like she was salivating. Like she was... I, 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 sure. I read it more like that. Like she was like, she was like drooling over him. I think that would be spelled different. I, I think it is slavish. But it's it's because it's split. Yeah. I don't I I couldn't see it. But it was such a weird. I'm like You know what? I'm going to Google this just to make sure it's not a different context. It's not a new word alert because it's relating to or a characteristic of a slave, typically by being behaving in a servile or submissive way. I was hoping for maybe it meant like slovenly kind of slavish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it was like you said, some sort of archaic salivatory. Nope. Gross. Goddamn, JK. She loves her slaves. She loves her doms. I believe you're next. Yeah. 56. Okay. Hedwig's death is pointless and unforgivable. Yeah. I honestly, because the movie does several things visually much better. Um, For example... Oh, we haven't. Technically, we haven't got there yet. I think in the movie they stay they stage it differently, but I'm just going to bring it up now. Hermione wiping her parents' memory, so much more well done. And equally, I remember. I believe Hedwig is free when mm-hmm. she's killed. Hedwig is flying. She's with blown them. out of the air. Yeah. And when I read this, that she was in the cage that he was holding and died, I was like, I feel like I just read this book to my kid within the last year, and I still don't remember that being a point. Yeah. I've read this it's, book multiple times, and I don't remember the order of those words. That's yeah. shocking to me. I had to reread it a couple times myself this time to really understand how, like, even the visuals of how it was happening. It was so quick. It, it's so quick, and it's really poorly written. Yeah. This time it's poorly written, where he, he's like, everything is in the sidecar between Harry's legs, and when Hagrid turns upside down, all of it falls out. Right. And Harry has to grab, he reaches up, so not, I don't know how he's strapped in, but he reaches up and grabs his bag and the Hedwig's cage, and as he does... As his broom falls to earth, gone forever. Side note, fanfic about the kid who found the broom. Um, <laughs> that would be amazing. Doesn't Accio broom? Anyway. um, Well, he's a little busy, isn't he? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah. But like, and then Hedwig gets hit while he's like ho- reaching up to hold it. Like Hedwig gets gets hit. So like Hed- Hedwig dies right there in her cage. It's, it's abysmal. It's, it's. 
It's terrible. I'm glad you had that reaction, though, because I feel like there's a there's some deaths in this book that are poignant. And, sure. And well done. This one's not one of them. There's I feel like there is a lot. That was the when I when I now I plowed through this book when I finally got it. I, I finished it in probably far quicker than I should have. So that's definitely to be taken into consideration with me coming away feeling like, uh, but there was a big sense of not a lot of the consequences in this book were addressed or processed by the character. I wanted the character to spend a little more time processing and some shit just ends. And I'm like, what? I mean, we got a line later about Hedwig, but I don't feel like there's ever... No, I, I have more notes about that. Sure, later. sure. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to table my, okay. my further okay. notes and examination of this death until that comes up. Okay. Um, my last note is 61. Okay, I've got uh, 57. Um, I don't understand how they got out of Little Whinging. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. I don't understand how they, all those people got flew out of Little Whinging without attracting attention. Uh, you mean for like muggles instead? Yeah. It was nighttime. They're in the eye, in the sky. They're not lit. But they showed up with their just like cloaked, invisible, whatever you want to call it. They w- wanted to be visible. So why? So the Death Eaters could be like, oh shit, there's seven Harrys. Which one do we follow? If they could show up and be invisible, yeah. why wouldn't they do the seven Harrys and then leave also invisible? I don't know. Yeah, it's dumb. It is very dumb. It's dumb. It's just, I mean, it's just frustrating because it's all there. Like, if it wasn't, if, if they didn't arrive and she didn't make the point of mentioning how they appear mm-hmm. and doesn't give us the idea, oh, they can just be not visible then we wouldn't have the reason to believe that they could leave and do the same thing. And they don't. So, like, it's not... I don't feel like it's being overly critical to look at this and say, this is dumb. Like, I even... I wanted originally to complain about, like, why Harry went with Hagrid and, like, they're lucky he survived at all. Right. Because they sent him with Hagrid. Um, But then, like, they kind of have, like, a one-line-later kind of explaining right. that. But, like... I still think the best move would have been to give Harry to, like, Tonks. Right. Or, like, you know, Bill. Something like that. Like, mm-hmm. someone on that level. Like, the middle tier. Not, li- like, Hagrid. Uh, Hagrid's the low tier. Right. He has, he's the worst of all of them at magic. So, to give Harry to Hagrid is, like, it's a, it's a, it's egregious oversight. Other than... Hagrid gets to take him away from the Dursleys one last time. In, uh, but that's a narrative s- bullshit thing. Like yeah, that, that's a symmetrical thing to the first book. It's it's yeah, it's rhyming. It's rhyming. <laughs> thank you. It, but it, but it's also like, Ugh. I mean, okay, fine. But like, I would have preferred some a little bit more of previous prior acknowledgement to the risk factor of going with Hagrid, mm-hmm. than to have it be acknowledged after the fact. Sure, because. And I'm just saying mostly for that because I think it adds actually adds tension to the upcoming sequence to t- remind the audience, oh, by the way, and Hagrid sucks. Absolutely. And remind the character, like, oh, we're putting you with the with the least powerful one. Right. Hope you're not bothered by that. Yeah. Like, because we think it's actually going to be better for you. And then Harry goes, like, brilliant, <laughs> like, in his snarky little way. Uh, and that would have been great. Um, eh, whatever. Um, page 59 is my next note. Okay. 
Am I supposed to be shocked that Stan Shunpike is a Death Eater? He's not, though. Remember his but, his blank face? That's why Harry didn't stun him. Oh, because he's... See, I thought blank face meant like he didn't have his mask on. You said 59? Yeah. You're, you're just thinking too much about masks lately. <laughs> well, they, he doesn't... He has a mask at first, and then he doesn't later. Harry saw the strangely blank face of Stan Shunpike. I guess that doesn't. I, guess I think that it's supposed to convey he's like zombified, but as we've already talked about, the Cruciatus, Avada Kedavra, Imperious Curse. Right. Uh, sometimes it's you think you're doing your own thing and fully possessed of your faculties, and you're secretly a sleeper agent, and sometimes you're just a mindless zombie. I don't know. I feel like that wasn't conveyed to me in those lines. I I'll take that one, but I feel like she could have done a better job. Well, you have you're supposed to be remembering the prior books where he's been talking about Stan being arrested and having all that. I did remember that, oh. but I didn't remember, and I remember there was a theory uh-huh. that he was being imperious cursed. But like, it's a theory. Sure, but you should know by now. J.K. Rowling tells the plot in theory. She'd be like, I think maybe this is what happens. Never addresses it again, and that's just what you're supposed to run with it i guess i refuse to accept that that's a way you can tell stories um yeah that sounds reasonable and so like i whenever i hear an author say something that's a supposition yeah or a a not concrete answer i look at it and go well i mean yeah this is here but it's just as much bullshit as if i came up with an answer out of my ass because no one's committing to it so okay this is essentially meaningless why should why should i if I can't see the actual things happening, why, like in in this in the narrative, why should I trust anyone who's willing to throw that the the doubt into it? Mm-hmm. Whatever, I don't know. It's, that one was one of them where I was just like, I don't care. Like I don't care. I don't care if he's a Death Eater. I don't care if he's not, because it he's an insignificant character. Right. His the the idea of making him the a uh, uh, a character that the Death Eaters Imperious Curse is mind-bogglingly insignificant he's a guy who barely runs a shitty bus like what advantage does that give them and why why would the order of the phoenix give a fuck like i they never explain that it's just like oh they 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 use that character as a patsy in the previous story that's why they did it not because he was a great asset to the team right he was a he was a sacrifice even as a so zombie like, imperialist one yeah what, what's the what's the lure yeah, for the what's Death he Eaters? doing here yeah, it, it it just except to have a throw, I guess. But like, okay, eh. I I feel like it was supposed to be this moment. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was it was written to be this like this reveal, this early game reveal for this book that's gonna have a ton of reveals, and it just nah. <laughs> Don't care. Um. Anyway, that was that. Um, your note sixty one. Okay. Harry's wand moved on its own. This is important, not necessarily narratively, but because I'm always kind of confused by where this whole wand and wand lore thing goes. So mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna acknowledge it when we get uh, clues and hints and shit, and tr- see if we can encapsulate it when the reveal finally the reveal comes. finally happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's a good idea because I noticed it. I had my own ideas about what was happening. Oh, hey, what do you think's happening then? That's well. I mean, I imagine it was kind of like a magnet thing, like the force. You know how they they like whenever 
up to this point, Voldemort and Harry's wand energy connects. It sort of just like fizzles in between them and like makes ectoplasm. Sure. And so I imagined it was something like like the the bond between them of oh oh wait I know what it is. Never mind, I know what it is. Okay. Um, Harry's a Harry's a fucking Horcrux. Voldemort can't kill him, regardless of wands. Regardless of anything, he, the the Horcrux itself will will protect itself from him being able to destroy it. Because, but I'm saying you you acknowledge that Voldemort's not using his usual Voldemort wand. They say that later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, could be part of it. We'll have to wait and see. Cool. Yeah. Um. Uh. So like, yeah, I. I I would be interested in hearing. I mean, I remember the, the the twin wand thing, and I get like I'm glad that they addressed like that. That was what they. That's clever. It's clever to be like, oh yeah, this thing we thought it was. It's not actually. It's something. Ty- it's it's something that could be different. We don't know what it is. I hope. <laughs> I feel bad for Ollivander because I don't think he's wrong. Right. I think it's you're talking about two different physics of magic that are going together that each apply but are separate, like that are resulting in the same effect. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is that your last note for the That's chapter? That's my last note for the chapter. Oh, keep keep note if you can. You know, in the future, if you come up with more of these moments that you like for specifically Wandalore stuff, you know, f- feel free to to make those notes. Oh, so I we will. Can, we can pass along uh, with with that thread. Um, I have like an overview. Do you have any other notes? No, please. Uh, I just said that like I I I felt like this chapter was f- had its fun. It had some excitement. It was cool to have excitement and fun early in the books, which is kind of a change. It still felt weird. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that Voldemort was there felt really strange to me. Um, I think they address it later. Like a lot of my notes for the overview are stuff that they eventually address later. Sure. But like, it feels like it feels it feels like a disservice to the plot as a whole to have the arch villain appear in the beginning of the of the story and fail so early on. It feels like the effect would have been the threat of Voldemort now feels a little neutered. Yeah, so I think it was I'm like a, like, like a like the the hand almost got him and just cl- cl- clutched at air as Harry escaped. I'm saying that hand could have belonged to anyone else in the Death Eaters. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. Having it be Voldemort specifically, I see, makes makes me feel like oh, I guess he's not that scary if a if a magic bubble can keep him away, right? And he can't even tell that there is a bubble or whatever the fuck the justification is. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit uh, the... monster under your bed rules. If you get inside the bubble, yeah. I'm safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I'm in, in under the covers or in my bed, yeah. I'm safe. Yeah, like that. That's that's not that's not my problem. My problem is that like you could have had that same effect without it being Voldemort sure. there. Voldemort being there feels a little like overly intense. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a feeling the book's going to get really boring after that. Um, might, might. But then again, I think we did need to have this thing with the wands to set up a mystery. And we also had to have the introduction of that he can fly. Yes. And that that was clearly a part of this was, was the acknowledgments of he can fly, you know, stuff. Um, Voldemort's got a happy thought. <laughs> I, I, I get that. Um, <laughs> that's the end of my notes for that chapter. As mine as well. All right. You ready to move on to chapter five? Fallen warrior. Uh, my first note is page sixty-seven. Yeah, I've only I've only really got one note. Oh, okay. Where is it? Seventy-four. Um. Uh, okay. Uh, page sixty-seven. Yeah. Uh, I. This is the moment where Hagrid asks, "Where's Hedwig?" And Harry explains that she's dead, 
and he sort of like collapses or, or like sort of gets uncontrollably weepy and f- Hagrid sa- like tries to console him and Hagrid says something about uh, she lived a good life and I say fuck that that is a lie <laughs> she absolutely did not have a great life she was she ended up taking the narrative place that Harry inhabits in the beginning of the series. She becomes Harry's bird under the stairs. Oh my God. Where she is abused, Mm -hmm. neglected, Mm -hmm. held captive, imprisoned, starved. Treated Um, rudely by her ostensibly best friend. Yeah. She, she's, she's, she becomes his whipping bird Mm -hmm. and she is because she's a pet, because she's a loyal animal, she tolerates it better than Harry ever could. But she died in her fucking cage. She died in her own prison, being drug along by this ungrateful snot. And, like, that is not a good life. Most of these books, where she's in them, she's either a glorified carrier carrier pigeon, Mm -hmm. or she's just forgotten and neglected in the Owlry until they need her. That's not a character. That's not something having a... I don't know what she did up in the Owlry. I don't know if she was, like, having a... She was swinging and shit. Like, I don't fucking know. But, like... She was running owl numbers. Yeah. It's certainly, like... It certainly, on, on the page, seems like she was neglected, forgotten, disrespected, and and treated poorly. Um, And, and even in the times when, like... Harry's like, oh, I know, I want to take you out. It's like, but the Dursleys, and it's like, what? What are they gonna fucking know, dude? Let her out in your room. What is what is Vernon gonna do? Fight an owl? <laughs> no, let it go. Like like, let her spread her fucking wings, you idiot. I just he he sucks, and this is bullshit. And then, so like, she, I think that character, I think the character for what she was did deserve better than this death. Yeah, deserved better treatment through the whole series. And in the idea that like this moment's supposed to be like like somehow any character in, in their right mind, even if it's Hagrid, could say, "Oh, she had a good life." Bullshit! Like f- fuck no, just fuck that. Shame on Harry Potter for the way he mistreated that animal, and shame on J.K. Rowling for writing it for for completely forgetting about this character, completely like writing it off, and then adding in a tragic, n- n- senseless death in this story to like give the character some sense of danger or reality or like, a like to pick off more characters. But like, it was complete, it was a complete waste. It's just, it just is, it, 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 it like ties up the end of a character who never got a chance to shine. Gotcha. You watch something like game of Thrones, you watch the red wedding, you watch these other things and you can see like, okay, this, these characters that die in these circumstances, they're representative of your, of the death of you wanting a happy ending. Mm-hmm. They're representative of this is not going to be a fairy tale that you get the ending you want. Right. You're going to get a different ending. But they still had arcs and growth. Yes. And those characters had their own, they, they, they had their own like progressions and tragedies and loves and, and triumphs. And then they had how it ended. And it's not just that one moment. No, no, it's a great There's example though this was completely worthless and meaningless this meant this meant nothing to the point where days later harry's like whatever like he doesn't even it it doesn't affect him at all he's moving on he's progressing with 
doing chores and and like getting ready for this wedding and trying to sneak around to talk about how they're going to progress the plot and it's <laughs> there's no morning that's his morning moment he has this moment with Hagrid and that's it it's it's just that would have been a fine thing if the fucking owl had been able to do anything else in the story so again shame shame on everyone involved in this bullshit uh, I, I, I guess what I really mean is, like, I refuse to let myself feel bad for Harry mm-hmm. or for this owl because the author didn't do their fucking job. And I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm I'm like upset mm-hmm. because I can see how poorly this was done. I'm not upset because the owl died. I'm upset because the owl died in a meaningless way that didn't make me feel anything the way it should have. It made me feel angry at the author for writing a shitty story. Which is not how I want to feel when I read fantasy or anything. So fuck them. <laughs> it's just they like how like it just it's so it's so personally insulting. Is I guess my problem is that it's it's like it's it's like saying hey you're a piece of shit you'll like this fuck you this is what you get uh, whatever give me your fucking money. It feels like being I'm being shook down emotionally. Like it's it's. Like, like this person expects me to just be like, oh no, the pet died. And it's like, I, I'm sorry. I don't feel that way. I felt that way kind of in the movie. Cause she had a fucking chance. She had more of a shot in the movie to do anything heroic because she was flying in that, even in just that one moment, one moment, she had a moment of doing any goddamn thing in the stories. Right. Uh, besides delivering newspapers <laughs> or like notes to serious. Um, anyway, I'm, it's, this is what I was waiting to get to. Clearly. <laughs> this moment of just like, it's, it's offensive to, to be, it's that it's, it's seeing the marionette strings and being like, Oh, these are supposed to be tied to my heart. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, you failed. My, I'm not going to dance for you. You dummy. Um, but that, but that is what, like the seeing of the strings is a, pet peeve of mine sure absolutely and it it makes me angry so that's why i'm upset here um page 71 yep two uh there's a moment here where like there's two pages between 71 i think it's like 71 and 72 or maybe 70 and 71 um there's a part where i i just don't understand lupin says he asks harry if you're not prepared to kill about like how we tried to uh expelliarmus mm-hmm. while they were flying he said, if you're not prepared to kill, uh, then, you know, at least stun. And then Harry says something like, you think I should have killed Stan Shunpike? And Lupin says, of course not. And it's like, well, but you just said, are, if you're not prepared to kill, at least stun. And Harry says, so you want me to kill? And he goes, no, of course not. It's like, well, didn't you just say, if you're not prepared to kill implies that, like, you should be prepared to kill. 71, you said? Yeah, yeah. I think because there is the part in between where Harry says we were hundreds of feet up. If I stunned him, that would have been the same as killing him. And Lupin kind of presses on with this whole, uh, what you did wasn't good enough. And Harry's like, so I should have killed him. Right. But I'm saying like Lupin says, of course not. He should say, yeah, because that's what he's, that's what he says in the first place. I mean, the first place he says, you, if you're not prepared to kill implies I'm prepared to kill. You should I mean, be prepared. to Obviously kill. that's what Lupin's saying, but nobody can be, pragmatic and Machiavellian like you <laughs> or not everybody can <laughs> um, <laughs> it, but it's right it's 
paragraph apart. It's right I, there. I like mean, he absolutely says that. But isn't that like the the isn't that isn't that realistic of the duality of human nature? How people can say one thing and another and believe both. Do you think that's what she was getting at here? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> Do you think she was getting at like self hypocrisy and, and inability to see, you know, your own uh, the lies you tell yourself? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, so this this bothers me. This part bothers me because then it comes to like it, they don't ever mention any of the members of the Order of the Phoenix using the Avada Kedavra curse in this like in this in these fights that's a good point but but then like it also makes it seem like just by but later um who's the who's the other or that's with them not mundungus um mundungus isn't an or there's kingsley Tonks. kingsley when kingsley okay. kingsley shacklebolt comes back and says i i think i, I killed one of them yeah. he basically says i killed one of them it's like whoa 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 Okay, so what is the problem with the Avada Kedavra curse? I, I was just going to ask that. Is there another curse that kills? Or does he mean he stunned him out of midair and gravity did the work? Well, that's my point. Like, what is it about the Avada Kedavra curse that's so unforgivable, if not that its result is killing? Um, I think it's like gun laws. If anybody could have Avada Kedavra, then everybody would have Avada Kedavra and people would die. But other there's other deaths where you can just get up close and slowly use a knife and you don't have to have a gun and you don't have to have a background check for a knife. So once again, I ask, what's the so what's really so wrong with the Avada Kedavra spell? Why is it unforgivable if the act of killing itself is not? Because it's so instantaneous. And Semperum Samtorum isn't? No, no, it's, uh, you can bleed out. Remember, say, Snape saved Draco from bleeding out, which so made me wonder less, why so, you couldn't reattach an ear. Yeah, or and so, so... <laughs> oh, he's so got his slowly, So slowly dying yeah. in excru- excruciating pl- pain, yeah. not unforgivable. No, because you could theoretically talk your attacker out of killing you, and then everyone's happy, happy. <laughs> You have some treacle what? tart. How is that any different from the from the moments before someone Avada Kedavra's you? Because that's just that's just two words and then it's over. You don't have a chance. What? <laughs> With Sempra Semptorum or whatever we said, uh, you can be like, oh, my ear is gone, but let's have a chat. Hold on. Let's have a cuppa. And they'll be like, oh, you know Draco what? Draco did not look like he was in a moment to have a conversation. It's after not going to work across the board, clearly. But never... George or Fred did not look like they could even communicate until they were healed up after they got hit in the head. And yet... Whichever the twin was. They had some tea, didn't they? Or fire whiskey. Even better. I don't... I, I still... Or, or even this idea that you can stun someone off of, off of a broom, they fucking fall to their death, and it's not... That's not unforgivable. I don't... I just, again, I'm trying to understand what is so wrong with Avada Kedavra, and I think your answer is, it doesn't make sense. Which is fine, but you can say that now. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Right. And that's like the idea or like let's talk about the Cruciatus curse. What is so what about that is so bad and unforgivable, but Hermione capturing a woman in a bug form and in keeping her in a jar, imprisoning her, like confining her, not being not making her able to live her own life freely. Sure. Akin to controlling someone to the point where they don't have control over their own their own free will because it, 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 like, it's it's too similar well no hermione was never gonna get caught so that's fine 
<laughs> you do whatever you want if you don't get caught. Everyone work. knows that's a rule. I, I feel like if that's not what she... I, I, I feel like then the, it completely invalidates the the purpose of having these unforgivable curses. Now, I will say that who makes them unforgivable? Probably the ministry. Is the ministry very well run or even rational? No. But is that a brilliant design or is that a lazy author who doesn't know how to handle her own world building? Sounds like the latter one. I don't know. I can't I can't give her the benefit of the doubt because there's too many instances of this same kind of inconsistent shit. Like it I worry that we're approaching a point in the podcast where my f- seven book long frustrations are going to come to a boil regularly. <laughs> Because it's going, because I'm going to have to confront the idea that no one was right about these books. <laughs> oh boy! And that I think that is making me very testy, at least in these first couple of like chapters. Um, sure, because it feels like. Again, like who is who's reading this and mm-hmm. why I don't I mean maybe it's the maybe it's part of like what you described this a feeling of like so many people did their first read through as quickly as they possibly could mm-hmm. for a lot a handful of these books, most of these books. Sure. And they read them in this like this emotional like memory cave of or cocoon of like when you when you because you have such positive emotional reaction to Harry Potter because you've built this emotional dopamine dispensing like trigger with these books. Yes. That when you when you grab them, you're you're happy reflexively. Yeah. Not really no. because they're well written. I think every single time I, I, I first read a book in this series, I was literally in some form of cocoon. Yeah. Um, with, you know, snacks and, and blankets and hold up and you built a, a emotional, like, but also a literal one. Yeah. And, and I was, well, I, mean, I, I, I was it very can be, comfortable. It can be a literal thing that like, yeah, yeah. It can be a literal thing that helps you feel comfortable. Sure. Yeah. And that created um, an emotional cocoon. So that's, that's yeah. very, very wise. Yeah, I think that that must be what happens with these because everybody, when I reflect on it, the people who talk about how great these books are, they they talk about it with this sort of like like devotion. Mm-hmm. That's the that's I think the best word I can use is it's like they they are committed to these books somehow. Well, I know for me, uh, early the first three books I had all at once, um, they like the first one is just like a fun kids book could be anything. Yeah, and this, and this yeah. and by the second one, things that were set up in the first book are start to being start addressed, and same with the third one, it's going back, and you're starting to get this. Oh, there's an epicness here, and so right. that can kind of take you away. And then by then, if you're not you know critically thinking, uh, you get hooked. No, I think that you're right. Around book four, you I think it was when there's probably most of these inconsistencies start popping up and that's also i mean most people are cocooned at that point right exactly because they've already gone through this like emotional like uh zeitgeist enforced like experience where they it's it becomes a part of who they are to have a good experience with harry potter so you know what you're saying what am i saying that you're morpheus and you're offering me the red pill 
to come out of my Harry Potter cocoon. Oh yeah, you can make your choice. You can either like I don't remember which pill is which. Honestly, you can take you can take the blue pill yeah. and stay in your fantasy of <laughs> Harry Potter being you know of a classic of literature in terms of how well it's written. Looking forward to the new um, Fantastic Beasts. Looking forward to the new Fantastic Beasts. Uh, ignoring everything awful the author says. <laughs> um, <laughs> You you can uh, ignore all the plot holes, all of the contradictions, all of the easy way outs of Deus Ex Machina. You can ignore all of that and be happy. <laughs> the Patrix. Yeah. Or you can listen to Death Readers. <laughs> and be confronted with potentially some hard truths about how weird and inconsistent and clunky this story actually is but also enjoy reality i guess if you can if you can do that it's harder <laughs> to do that it's harder to enjoy reality can really you just promise me something jk rowling gives am, me promises what can you promise all me? of this i'm promising that it won't be easy um, yeah, I, I, those those are my two my two points about on page seventy one. There's actually a two, those were my two notes about like it's just weird to hear these characters being like, "I killed a guy, thank goodness," and then it's like, but again, like, is that not the problem with this other thing? Right. And if it isn't, if the problem with this other thing isn't the killing aspect of it, then what's the problem? And there's no, I don't feel like there's gonna be an answer, and I feel like that's weird. It it feels strange that that's part of it. Anyway, um, what's your next note? 74. Go for it. This is just... A, okay, so a little preamble. This has happened before. We've kind of addressed some of what this suggests before. And if you look at things colloquially, it's not even that big of a deal. But for some reason, when somebody came back safe and Harry at the top of the page just went, thank God, capital G, it just really made me go... Especially when uh, both Ginny and Molly on the same page followed up with "Thank goodness," it just it just it just made me wonder what the her reason for including it, uh, the Wizarding World's relationship to religion. It just it just brought all that back for me. Well, I think that that comes back for me again later. I didn't take a note on it because I don't remember where it is. But there's the moment where they're trying to Hermione's trying to explain what is so dangerous and scary about making horcruxes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she she explains like that you're like severing your soul if you do make more than one i don't remember if it's ron or harry but one of them is basically like so what and then she's like well the difference is if you die you die but your soul lives on yes and it's like well like okay this feels a little new like she's saying this very matter of factly right um like this we have feels like hard evidence beyond ghost right. imprint whatever that bullshit is that right. there is a soul. I guess we know that from Dementors, but also what what's the framework of that? Well, we also kind of presumably know a little bit of that from the the existence of ghosts. We know that a little bit from uh, the the time when Voldemort's wand was reverse spelled mm -hmm. um, and spirits. I mean, it comes down to like, what's the difference between a spirit, a ghost and a soul or an imprint, which is or an imprint. Yeah. yeah or, or yeah. Yeah. JK explain, please. Um, but, like, I agree. It felt very uh, monotheistic. It felt very, like, 
commitment to some sort of Christian God. That's what know it, is yes, like, it felt like, just in case anybody is wondering, these are things that I'm saying, and now only a certain kind of person says this? I don't even know. It felt like it was definitive, well, we, but not clear. Like, it thought it knew what it was yeah. being clear. And I'm going, what? Yeah, I think that we are in back in a situation where, you know, I think the the underlying Christianness of this world, the wizarding world, is still present, and because it, it, it hasn't really been like as present as in the first two books, mm-hmm. where Christmas is a big deal, the Fat Friar is a bigger deal, yep. um, which burning mentioned in the third book, at least. I mean, yep. at least it, it, yep. it tangentially acknowledges the yep. church. Mm-hmm. And Salem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Fourth book. Yeah. So I mean, this is like not so much exactly in line with that, but it's close enough to be like it, it's hard to ignore it mm-hmm. as part of the larger connective religious tissue. Like the author had had some some experience in between writing books, perhaps. Like what? Like people were angry at her, <laughs> or just that she found something. Hmm. Do you know that? I don't know that. No, no. This is complete whole cloth conjecture, but it just has the feeling of, without pinning any specific quality, that it feels like there's a shifted perspective hmm. in relation to religion. Don't know what that is, but it feels <clears throat> like they're... A, a, obviously, a person who writes a sequel is a different person than the person who wrote the first book. They've changed. They've had experiences. Right. We, we talked about this last sure. episode. Um, and it feels like something along those veins have changed for her. Okay. I wonder if that's the case or it's just that we, she hasn't, I'm, it's funny. I mentioned in the last episode, you know, like this idea of like, when do you find Jesus? You know, it's like at the, on your deathbed or in a foxhole. Right. Right. And, and I think that in this situation, she, it comes back again though, this idea of like, I think she's having that feeling with these books. I think when she wrote this, she genuinely thought it was over, mm-hmm. that this this would be the end of those things. And I think she made peace with that version of Harry Potter. I think she made peace with the, I'm, I'm reading that, I, I should sure. say, that she she made peace with this aspect of her life and these characters and, and the eternal nature of how they'll live on. And I wonder if part of that is sort of like a religious thing, too, like like. I don't know. I wonder if there. I wonder if that's. If, I wonder if that's part of it because it's an ending. Mm-hmm. You know, and, sure. and and her thoughts are turning towards afterlife, life after Potter. Yeah, or or like you know what happens to like if if she died after writing this book immediately, would she feel accomplished? Mm-hmm. Would she feel like she was fulfilled? Um, all these things people seek in in the afterlife. They seek peace. They seek fulfillment. They seek, uh, you know. A lot of the things that are that are unfortunately, uh, they're not really denied you in life necessarily, but they are the, uh, they're the they're the things that help ease the pain of living, mm-hmm. uh, or that that like because life isn't easy, um, life isn't existence isn't painless. So like I think that that's why in in these mythologies, even like Christianity or other other afterlife mythos, um, you have this 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 promise of a painless existence. And so I kind of wonder if that's what is part of what's playing into this idea of like the importance and the significance of a eternal soul mm-hmm. um, is part of her, like essentially making her 
her case for herself being like, I think I did it. I think I did all right and accomplished enough in this world to make me a, 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 a you know, I, I think, I think what I'm saying is I think she feels like with the end of these books, she feels like she accomplished enough to make her life have been a success. And I think she's making peace with accepting that going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff, I think that, that that's where a lot of this stuff comes from just having read like what we've read and like, cause again, it does feel kind of strange. These things being where they are in these stories so far, but we'll see when we get there. You got another note. I don't, I have two more in this chapter. Okay. Excellent. All right. Page 81. I real okay, here's a positive. Everyone. We are, you know, 50 or so minutes into the show and I have a positive note. I really, 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 really like the interactions she wrote between Harry and Lupin in these moments. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think they're very well done because they're, they're like, painful. They're paternal. Mm -hmm. They're very, like, they're that cutting kind of thing that, you know, father figures can have and, like, and and do to, you know, to younger characters. She does, she did it very well, like, um... The part where Harry says something like, why are you looking at me like that? And then like, or like what to, to Lupin? And he's like, I just, you, you remind me of your father. You remind me of James. And Harry's like, oh. And he's like, because James also would have, you know, fought to protect the honor of his friends, believing they would never betray him. And then Harry's like, and it stings Harry because Harry knows he's basically dissing him and talking about Peter Pettigrew. And I was like, that is some, that is some cold shit. <laughs> like, like he's basically being like you're just like your father and if you're and you may die like him right (laughs) like because of your stupid behavior and trust in your friends and it's like wow that is some cynic shit like and that is like real heavy and dark all of a sudden out of nowhere and then harry like wants to fight him but he's also like and he's right (laughs) like (laughs) it was complex and that's complexity it was it was yeah it was beautiful it like it's it dumbstruck harry with how complex it was it was great congrats like round of applause like that was great do more of that who am i <laughs> <laughs> but uh um the uh there was another one before that i think it was the it was like they were right after lupin was like what was the creature sitting in the corner of my office on the first day that i met harry potter um it was like right after that mm-hmm. where they had another conversation about something to do with like the dangers of etc. And Lupin was giving him the business. Uh, it, I loved all of it. I thought it was fantastic. It's good. Uh, it's good to next- see a, a more serious, uh, angry, not fawning side of a character you like. A more serious Lupin. I mean, too soon, Rob. It's too soon, Rob. Tonks has got a score to settle with Bellatrix, or whatever she says. Yeah. Do we ever? Is there a reason that Bellatrix is out for Tonks? Because they're family, and she's in, she hates her. That's just, she's that's she's just married it? a werewolf. Okay. She she's she's uh she's dishonoring their bloodline in the eyes of the Dark Lord. Okay. They had this whole moment in the first paragraph, the first chapter about like shaming that family for their their association with her. I've, I I missed it. You really really you missed it? <laughs> Let's go over it again. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> I've read these books so many times; they blur together. <laughs> 
Well, that's what it. That's what I'm talking about. That that moment is. That's why it's there. But she. But then again, it's also it's it's brilliantly it's beautifully complex because it's I don't know about that complex, but it's sure Tonks hates Bellatrix because Bellatrix killed Sirius. So it's like they both have different but equally compelling reasons to be after each other. That's the that's the making of a great rivalry of a great relationship. <laughs> okay, but that feels like her doing her thing again. Which one? Where she suggested. That Tonks hated or was so consumed by Sirius's death in the last book, but really it was this whole loop and bait and switch. But now she's relying on that thing that wasn't a thing to fuel Tonks's oh. hatred for Bellatrix. And I'm like, but that's that's disingenuous. Oh, that's a good point. I forgot about that. I'm trying to remember if Tonks being upset about Sirius was ever a real thing. No, she was moody about Lupin. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to curtail your memory. I feel like she was only moody about Lupin. No, no, that's that feels more accurate. But again, she like she's all over the place. Like it's she's she's a gaseous writer. She's difficult to get to, like get a hold of. It's it's yeah. So that's probably at least my excuse for having skimmed over no, that part. That's, that's fair, and I I mean I wish it was better. I wish. It, <laughs> uh, I don't know why she has to write these things in such uh, stark options and stark stark terms like it she, tonks couldn't have been both upset about Sirius and upset that lupin was refusing her advances right she has to be only one of them why <laughs> people only have one motivation at a time yeah it's famous that's a that's an old truth yeah yeah it's true yeah i i can't believe i forgot it uh page 85 is this part where they like Hermione sort of offhand or somebody offhandedly mentions that Voldemort is taking over the ministry and the newspapers. And it's the last line uh, or like in the last paragraph or whatever of the chapter. And it's like, what? Like how? And way to bury the lead. Like, <laughs> well, he's not very good at newspapers. So of course <laughs> he's going to bury the lead. Harry, he's taking over the ministry and the newspapers and half the wizarding world. Don't let him inside you, too. She said your head, too, but... Yeah. I remember Give something a little spice. Ew. Um, I mean, okay, I'm fine with that being, like, a thing that's happening. It feels like it's shoehorned into the end of this chapter. Uh, It feels like if this was... This could have been something that was brought up more organically. Well, but I mean... more... Say you want to... Get through the 700 page pages so your fans will shut the fuck up for once. And you need the world, Wizarding World to be in a certain place. But, God, it just seems so tedious to set all that up when you have all this to go. <laughs> so if you just have the smartest wizard in her in her, in her her age say it, that's basically her word is her bond. We're done. Move on. But I don't know why this book has to be that thick if it's not built, taking the time to build anything worth reading. Oh, it's going to build some other stuff? Um, oof. I feel like you're going to be mad a lot. I feel like you're I feel be like mad. this is like this book is like a is like a two-story McDonald's. It's like why is it this big? <laughs> why does it have to be this big? It doesn't it doesn't make sense. It so doesn't you can need eat to be upstairs this big. and look at the scenery. I, I just I don't think that bigger means better and especially with these books. No, it's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like the building itself is a Big Mac. I have been trying so hard to only cast judgment on the stuff in these books that i have actually read sure i haven't actually read this book yet right but man i feel a fury building 
I wish I could help you with that, and I don't know that I can. Just got to get, get through it. We just get some get great payoff in the next chapter, though. Oh, God. Okay, so uh, that's the end of my notes for that chapter. Yep, me too. Um, which brings us to chapter six. The ghoul in pajamas. Okay, so my pre-note to the chapter was my first thought at reading that title. Okay. And my first thought was, ooh, goody, we finally get to hear about what this ghoul's about yep. and what it's doing up there. One of the many payoffs in this chapter. I the Okay, oh. okay, but you can't wait. Go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The, the, like, you know, oh, man, like, finally we get to know about, like, how did the ghoul get there? Right. What exactly is a ghoul? Sure thing. Why do the do the uh, Weasleys have a ghoul? Absolutely. Uh, why do they let it what's stay? What's it doing? Yeah, why do they let it stay? What's it eat? What's it do up there? Yeah. What does it serve a purpose? Oh, sure. And boy, do we not get any of those questions answered. No. We get Oh, we found a use for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we get. We get uh, yeah, we have this thing that's definitely there in the earlier chapters. Shit, I've got to make something happen with it. What if it Ferris Bueller's for Ron? <laughs> Will that work? Whatever. Oh, um, sucks. he's sick. My best friend's sister's brother's boyfriend's ghoul friend. Oh, yeah. My best friend's sister's cousin's ghoul friend. If it wasn't so long, it'd be a good episode name. <laughs> uh, my first page note in these chapters, uh, actual page note, is page eighty-seven. Okay, that's you. Okay. Uh, this is a weird note. Okay. Because it's gonna take you back to book one. Okay. Does it? Does it seem like Ron didn't have any friends before he met Harry? Does it? Does it kind of seem like uh, he his life his existence didn't really begin until he met Harry Potter on that train car. And like, yeah. Like what? Further question. So you're you're gonna have to remember to answer that one. But another question is, so it, what what kind of schooling do wizarding children have before age eleven, and why don't we ever hear about it? I feel like I can answer it with two words that will answer both questions. <sighs> Homeschool. I feel like there's this whole kind of, and this is that, this is that, we th- we throw back to that sort of pioneer mindset. Okay. Where you know I I I learn them up the basics, of reading and writing good. Uh, but really, we live in this magic economy in society, so they don't need to know anything beyond that because they'll get their wand and go learn magicin. Cool. Which suggests a a less critically thinking evolved society. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me that they don't have any sort of schooling. I don't... Considering how early you have to get muggle children into school. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that, like, the wizarding world would have no al- option, alternative, mm-hmm. similar thing. Right. I mean, even fuck, and, and I'm not, <laughs> believe me, I'm not asking for younglings. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... It just, I'm I'm criticizing the idea that the story begins with a school year that starts at age 11. Mm -hmm. We're talking about fifth grade in the United States. Sure. We're talking about, you know, grade five in Canada. Uh, It's, it's, that's an old kid 
Like, I know that the kids looked young in the movie, mm -hmm. but fifth grade is like, you're, for, I'm saying fifth grade, you're beginning adolescence. And the people who are developing and maturing physically are, are given huge amounts of power. Sorry. When they're in there, and it's happening at that, it, right. you know, it's just happening in that age. It's, it may be happening a little bit before that, but it's, you're going to start seeing the noticeable changes start to start mm -hmm. beginning in in that grade well i mean i think that's why they're that's, going to hogwarts because that's when the magic is also waking up that's not the only thing that's waking up i but. know i i know but i'm saying like why isn't there pre-magic schooling like because there, there's, there's, someone's i guess there's not squib, that many they're kids. gonna feel bad that all their friends they've made attachments with are gonna go off to school and they're gonna be so they don't deserve no one deserves education because you might hurt squibs free feelings i mean it it seems to me like the simple answer would be the simple answer, but clearly refuted by the text, uh, that all wizard kids go to muggle schools for five years. Yeah, and that's definitely not and true. And then they just say, oh, we got a special school we're going to. See you later. Uh, but we know that's not the case. No. I mean, that's the case for muggle and mudblood children, mm -hmm. presumably. Right, but like not, half of not all of them. Right. So what happens to the the magic family kids, the pure blood kids who I just don't understand I don't I don't understand. I don't be, I can't believe that there's no schooling. And here's another reason why. Okay. It seems like and this is why I asked about Ron's friendships is it seems like and I get homeschooling that's a good answer, mm -hmm. but like Seamus and Dean seem pretty close right off the, out of the gate. Right. In book 1, did they know each other before? I, think they met, I mean, Seamus was from, from Ireland, yeah. right? Like these 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 magic kids are from all over England, so or the United Kingdom. So I I, I don't it, there's some aspect of the sociology here of the way that these these groups interact with each other that feels like it it's unreal. The idea that the the Malfoys and the uh, the the Weasleys have this sort of family rivalry, but the kids don't already go to school together somewhere is, is strange mm -hmm. to me. Like th that, it means that these muggle, these, these wizarding families know each other exist. They have opportunity to socialize. They do so for their careers, but their children don't interact. I just, it feels like a big gaping hole in bit. the structure of the world. Um, at least in the way it's presented in these books, it seems like all, all the kids in the world meet each other at age 11, which feels like you're missing a lot of growth and social interaction. Like it really should be like everyone should be completely incapable of interacting socially <laughs> by the time they get into Hogwarts first year. Mm -hmm. Like it should be mostly like classes about social interaction. <laughs> that would make sense in the first year. Yeah. Anyway, my next note's page 104. Page 88. Okay. Fucking Puddlemere United, bunch of wankers. I would never support them. Mm -mm. How dare you assume I would? Who the fuck supports Puddlemere United? It's not me. It's not Jenny. Jenny likes the Hollyhead Harpies, and Ron's all about the Chudley Cannons. What Hermione's going to be the Puddlemere? Come on. We we know that well, we know that Oliver uh, went off to join Puddlemere United, but. Why the fuck do Fleur? I know this much about Quidditch? Oh you my god, what have I done with my life? You know why you know. Uh, 
Tell me how much of the game you played. You know what? Shut up. Tell me how much of the Quidditch book you've read. You know what? Shut up. You love Quidditch. Admit it. I'm just... Admit it to the world. Do you think, uh... Maybe it's Fleur's? My name's Rob. I'm a Death Reader, and I love Quidditch. It's a pull quote. <sighs> it's just... It's like when you said episode 60. It's like, it's shocking to hear it out loud. To hear that I know all of that. <laughs> Um, what about Fleur? Could she support them? I don't think Fleur's the kind of person who would have Quidditch socks. Yeah, I can't think of anybody who, in that family, who would have Mr. that Mr. Weasley, maybe. Charlie's not there yet. It could I guess it could be an old Percy sock, because he's a wanker, and I'm clearly they're wankers, but... Why wouldn't they all like the same team? Because they're different and complex people, Doug. Duh. Well, families tend to, families tend to congregate around, they, they, they tend to use sports as a tribe tribal thing to help unify fam the, the unit the family unit like yeah, having a disagreement in that would like kind of conflict with the whole purpose of the social construct of, of sports but this is a family who doesn't have any social interaction before the age of 11 so when ron's being formative <laughs> yeah. his brothers are off hearing about sports teams but then when he gets to school he's going to be like oh no but i like the charlie cannons because when orange, when okay like my hair uh when when ron said when he revealed the ghoul to Harry and he said, he's me, I swear to you, I thought, oh my God, this is like that Treehouse of Horrors episode <laughs> where there's a twin uh, Ron yep. who, who, who was ugly and horrible, who was, you know, st stuck in the, in, he, he was the, he's the good Ron and the evil Ron's the one we've been seeing this whole time yep. <laughs> because he's good looking, yep. but he's evil. Stuck in the, I really, stuck in the really, attic really wanted heads. that to be. Eating buckets of fish heads, yep. yeah. <laughs> that's that's immediately what I thought when he said, he's me. And I was like, oh my god, these books do get dark. <laughs> that would have been fun. And then it turned out to be a different kind of dark. It was. Where they're just dressing up a zombie to look like him and pretend to be him in a bed. It, it's a strange, strange book. 98 is my last note for this chapter. Oh, wow. Okay, go for it. The Spattergroit payoff. We finally got that paid off. Remember how that one painting was like, young man, you look like you've got Spattergroit. And I'm like, hey, remember that. It's where it is. Payoffs. Two payoffs. We heard about the ghoul and the ghoul is pretending to be Ron with Spattergroit. So shit was laid down in earlier books. And now here it comes. Oh, feel that you smell that you smell it's like the bloom off a fresh flower that we fertilized so long ago the fertilizer i smell that i do smell that <laughs> it's it's quite pungent um i i could argue it's overpowering <laughs> the rest of the bouquet but um yeah no for sure definitely yep payoff better great book that's the first of many oh oh how Ask, ask just just off the top of your head, what's a what's a question you feel is not answered about Harry Potter that we haven't addressed? Today? Um, how come nobody how come nobody ever mentions to the kids that Thestrals pull the the wagons? What's your next note? <laughs> how come how come every time a kid's like. These carriages pull themselves. Someone's like, no, they don't. You fucking idiot. 
you privileged not seeing death privileged asshole no no they're not like pulling themselves there's a creature here you you blind dick i can't wait till you see death i can't wait till you go through life and you see death because then you'll see you see the whole world of cynicism open up to you that we're using these these skeletal pegasi to represent okay it's Imagine the beauty of this this uh, metaphor, of this winged horse, this beautiful symbolism of of magic that we've skeletized and emaciated to show and, and made leathery, removed all of its glamour to show you the reality of the world. Once you see the darkness of it, it's called growing up. Try it. How come that doesn't happen? <laughs> How come it's given to Luna to be like, oh, they only see you if they see you death. It's possible it would require a little more introspection on the part of the author to uh, have that be nah. the scene in your book. Yawn. So um, take, me okay. to pay, take me to 101. 101? I'm on 104. Oh, I thought you said 101. I'm sorry. The quote on 104 that I reference it says, uh, somebody says, I think it's Hermione says, quote, a Horcrux is the complete opposite of a human being. You know, I think I remember reading that and a little part of me went, what? And then the rest of me was like, nah, I just finished the story. Finish the chapter. I think it's at the, it's at the, it's like in the last couple of pages. So like, it doesn't surprise me that you'd blow past it, but like, I did notice it. I did have a twinge of what now? Um, what do you got? Oh, I just mean like, really you are you sure about that (laughs) that's 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 the words you want to use the complete opposite of a human being uh i mean i guess i she offers no supporting statements right there's no conclusions no there's no no yeah it's it's like on its own paragraph i think it's like its own line its own paragraph um she i i think to be to be fair to hermione and to jk i think that this the presentation of this reality is essential to the reveal. Um, so you, Hermione in this case has to be wrong mm-hmm. in order to have the payoff be worth anything. However, I don't actually think I agree with myself. I think that's what the argument from the person who would write this would say, mm-hmm. which I'm going to put words in her mouth that say she says, but like, I think that the reveal that Harry is a Horcrux would be powerful on its own without weird foreshadowings like this. Mm-hmm. These are like anti-shadowings. Because <laughs> this is like, this is literally just saying the twist that will definitely come could not possibly be the twist. Definitively. The smartest wizard witch of her age group says so. So you're saying it's like a, a circumshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Because it snipped off the foreshadowing. Ew, that's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I thought I thought you were saying it was circumventing foreshadowing. I mean, I'm somehow, sure that was in there, was like, too. Uh, I don't know. That's. I hope your wife listens to this part. <laughs> Page 105. Really? There's more. Ooh. I don't remember why I wrote this note, okay. but my Ooh. note on page 105 is just, 
Retcons, retcons, retcons. Let me, let me go skim 105. Hang on, said Ron. The bit of soul in that diary was possessing Jenny, was it? How does that work then? And then there's a seems to be like a big... It's like, yeah, it's this part where she's like, well, the magical well, container actually, is still intact. Yeah. A bit of soul inside it can flit in and out of someone if they get too close to the object. I don't mean holding it for too long. It's nothing to do with touching it. I mean close, emotionally. Jenny pulled her heart into the diary. Sure. <laughs> that's how that's how it feels. It, like, reading that feels like, fine, I don't care about how the Gungans live in the center of Naboo. I don't care that... They say they have to go through the, the planet, planet core. core. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about that. None of it matters. Move on. Like, if this is the best you can do, you should have done nothing. I guess is how I look at it. Like, you didn't have to tell us something this unsatisfying. Sure. You could have said nothing. Because I know what she's doing. I, I feel like I know what she's doing. I feel like she's saying, how do I explain why Ginny could get so close to the diary but Dumbledore wouldn't get so close to the ring to where the ring wouldn't possess him mm-hmm. um, or how people getting too close to Harry would cause them to become possessed mm-hmm. is th- is that the reason Ginny likes him because then that just becomes circular because she poured her, inf- her her love for Harry into the book which was what made her close to him mm-hmm. but then she sort of became possessed by the little bit of Voldemort's soul. So maybe that's, and I think you mentioned this a while ago, maybe that's what has her attracted to Harry in the first place. That that did occur to me in this read through. Or maybe a little bit of Harry's soul is flittering in and out of like, I don't know. Maybe there's it. uh, It it sucks. It just sucks. It's so (laughs) dumb. It's too complicated. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not complicated and enjoyable. It's complicated and obnoxious. Sure. Uh, and it feels like it's just like it's it's over explaining them. It's metachlorian shit. I keep bringing up Phantom Menace. I keep bringing it up in, as a reference because it it, it just feels like that. This over explaining of the minutia of the world building in a way. And keep in mind, I say that like I'm, I'm saying that having ranted about wanting to know what happens to the kids schooling from ages zero to eleven. Sure. Yeah, that's minutia. It is. But it could be easily explained. It could be so easily explained. So easy. They're homeschooled. Sure. Fine. I don't care. I can have opinions about how that, I, I would imagine, affect the wizarding children, but I don't care. I'm not going to further question that. But it's not addressed, and it feels weird. Because <laughs> it, it seems like it might have some, like, social ramifications. Sure. That are, 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 are would be explained through this lack of socialization up to age 11. Um but this shit is unsatisfying. This is this is oysters at a buffet. Mm-hmm. This is not something you want to eat. Right. So, ugh, whatever. Page 108. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, the last note is... Uh, I don't... Correct me. This is more of a question about the movies. Sure. Because this is, this is the moment where uh, Fleur's parents arrive and her little sister shows up. Yep. And I'm reminded that... Fleur is part Vila. Yep. And it occurred to me that I don't think Vila's are addressed, brought up, or considered at all in the film. No. Other than the boys turning when the girls do their, like, butterfly entrance and just being all agog, 
That's about it. Yeah, but that's not. But they don't say like, nope. oh, by the way, Avila nope. is this thing. Nope. Weird. And it's well, it just occurred to me ahead, that no. like her her little sister is going to end up being probably as attractive as Floor is and as like magically so right. Which I, I found like I, I found interesting in the in the concept of like oh yeah, I wonder like that that must be a fascinating ex- existence to have like that sort of like like this passive magical power mm-hmm. of people people wanting to be nice to you or affectionate towards you or whatever. It's called being beautiful. <laughs> it's just what happens to pretty people. Sounds very privileged. Um. Yep. I did think it was interesting because I don't. I can't remember, was Vila the concept brought up in this chapter? No. Okay, I didn't think so, but I liked the touch that there was acknowledgement that her mom was, she's a quarter Vila, then her mom would be half Vila, and Mr. Mm-hmm. Weasley was just all over her, but they didn't They didn't spell that out. That, that, I did kind of enjoy that. And like he, he was just like, you know, guffawing like a donkey at her joke or whatever, and Mrs. Weasley's like, the fuck? And he's like, oh, mm, mm. I did now, and I don't know if this is a French thing because I know there's kind of an animosity with the British and the French. Yeah, I was thinking that this chapter too. But there was just a weird note about um, Fleur's dad having high-heeled boots. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of, like, is that supposed to be like a throw, like, like how this seems a lot of a lot of the British culture, the wizard culture, seems throwback to medieval times of Britain. Mm-hmm. Is is the French wizard culture supposed to be a throwback to the court of Louis the Fourteenth, and that they had the, the kind of foppish outfit? Like, I, what the fuck is going on there? Why was that called to my attention? Is it a, is I, I it a modern it was, thing? Why did she point out that the dad was had had high heel boots? I I guess I like sort of explained away that note to myself as they weren't high heeled boots in the same way like uh uh stilettos. Oh no, no, certainly shoes. not. Yeah, they're just boots that with heels. Well, I was I was imagining you know French dandies that kind of heel, high heel boot. I guess I guess I don't know what that means exactly, but I, I'm saying it's like a it's just a boot with like a solid like thick you know heel. I'm thinking of the high heel boots for men that you see in in period pictures about the Restoration. We're probably saying the same. And they've thing. got like the the buttonhole eyes instead of laces or anything. Yeah, you, know, you have to use that weird hook tool to. But the point is, it's it's. Very old fashioned by a couple of right, centuries. Right. Is that what she's saying, or is it something else? Is it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I couldn't. It was weird. I I noticed that like the way she described Fleur's father as being essentially like describing him kind of unattractively reminded me of how defiantly Fleur defended her relationship with Bill after he got mangled, right, and mutilated. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's part of her family like thing or they just don't get they actually they actually despite having all this beauty and this supernatural attraction, they actually have the like dis- discerning taste enough to be like, no, I want to be with someone who I like. Like they, like they actually seek out real love because they have the yes. fake shit all the time just yes. walking around, which yes. isn't that a metaphor for women, which is a concept that JK is protective of. It could be. There's a part in the first chapter of these of this book, this episode, where they have the moment where everybody does the polyjuice potion, oh. and like Harry has this acknowledgement of, oh man, like these people are being far too like liberal with my like my body, my visage, privacy. Sure. Yeah. I think he says privacy. Sure. Then then like he feels comfortable with, and I was thinking like that's something I think we may have referenced the idea of that like 
in the first polyjuice potion experiment mm-hmm. but like it's weird to see it sort of like actualized here mm-hmm. and i and i i definitely had considerations of bringing up this idea of like hermione and fleur both transition their gender in this moment i was i was going into the chapter looking for it and i didn't really see a jumping off point i didn't see anything that like base like had any sort of like undertone of something to it besides harry's weird disdain for how he how floor as him looks at bill but like again that didn't even come up as like an anti-gay thing which clear i i she's no it's pro-slavery <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't have any more notes um i think that it would have been cool to see I don't know. I like this idea that Matt. Nobody knows if Matt Eye is really dead because they haven't found his body. Mm. Um, like I believe he's dead, but like, because like I don't see why he would need to come back. Right. Like, he got an honorable death. Somebody had to die in that in that thing, and it makes sense that it would be you know him. I guess. And they had they had um, his son have to tell everyone. What? This is something I always oh, come back Bill, to. Yeah, Bill, 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 the actors. Donald Gleason. You can't, you can't mix them up, man. They're the same person, dude. They're the same person. You can't mix the them up. The actor is the character they play, and vice versa. Everyone knows this. How it's am I supposed to Hollywood. keep that straight? I'm not watching this. these characters do the things they're doing. What? Because when you say his son had to tell him, like, what did Barty Crouch do- Jr. No, that's not he's, his son. First of all, Barty Crouch Jr. was Mad Eye Moody. It wasn't. Oh, that's your right. Yeah. It's, wow, you are fucked up. Yeah. Whatever. And that was the doctor. I know who the doctor was. <laughs> Do you? Because it sounds like you don't. It sounds like you think the doctor is Domo Gleason, and that's not happened yet. The doctor was a woman the whole time. The doctor was her mother. What? You know that riddle? No, I went to a different place. Oh, you don't know that riddle? Um, I know those kinds of riddles. <laughs> Shut up. It's like a doctor and a a, and a a pregnant woman go up a mountain or whatever. I forget the riddle. <laughs> sure. I, I, like, again, I, I know those kinds of riddles. My kid always yeah. likes to ask them to me, and I figure them out. And she's like, oh, you're too smart. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. I like that one. Whatever that one actually is, I, always, I remember liking it because I was like, yeah, take that. Patriarchal default. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Well, I'm done. That was the end of my notes. We done uh, no new words. Oh, that brings us to a new word alert. New word alert. All right, here we go. Okay. Idiom. Idiom. One more time. Sure. Let's do one more time. Idiom. I mean. As far as I know, isn't it like an untranslatable turn of phrase? That is the um, the first definition. <gasps> yes, that is Wait, not the definition. There's another. What? There's another. There's one used in Monty Python, isn't there? And that may be the one I'm referencing exactly. I can't think of it though. Go ahead. Well, it's technically the third definition uh, in in Merriam-Webster, and it's the one that Sir Lancelot and Concord use. Yes. In, in uh, Holy Grail. the Holy Grail, yeah, and it is it means a style or form of artistic expression that is characteristic of an individual, a period or movement, or a medium or instrument. 
the way I, I try to shoehorn the word metier into phrase, into conversation. You're saying that is a that's your idiom. Well, it's my idiom, but also it's a synonym for idiom. Ah, that usage. I, I, I watched the whole, the, whole, the Blu-ray. Yeah. And I watched all of the special features, and that part came up, and I was like, idiom? Because I had the same first like definition you had, and I was like, I don't recall why this word is being used this way. Uh, and I have a, I have a different memory of, of why I know the other term, mm-hmm. um, the other version of the word. So it was it was very much important for me to figure it out finally. Uh, and it took a it took a little bit of googling because I, I didn't know how it was spelled. You know, it could have been a different spelling of. A, you didn't just put on the captions on the Blu-ray to see what they wrote. No, I'm I wasn't that smart. No, nah, it's okay. Takes all kinds. All right, you ready? Yep. Next new word. Prevarication. Prevarication. It's what I've heard and I know I've gotten from context, but I couldn't tell you right now what it is. Prevarication is a noun that it means the act of prevaricating or lying. Oh. Prevaricate. Preverify. Is it like preverify? Like verify. Yeah, yeah it's like... it's like, Ver- it's like ver- Veritas, truth. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But th- th- that makes it sound like before truth, right? Um. Well, the second definition says a false or deliberate misstatement, a lie. Oh, so so people who are like, I lie by omission, so it's not really lying, they're prevaricating. I think it's like to say you presume. It's like, I think it's that version of the prefix. Causing someone to presume, rather. Yes. Gotcha, yes, gotcha, exactly. gotcha. Totally. I like it. Um. All right. Next one. Plangent. 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 That's another one that I... Oh, man, you, you hit me with all these ones that I've come across and I cannot think of what's plangent. It, it, that's when you go on a tangent about plants. Yeah, that's exactly it. Congratulations. Yeah, it's a poison, poison ivy oration, a plangent. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a prevarication on my part. God damn it. I presumed you were telling the truth. <laughs> um, it, Plangent is an adjective that means resounding loudly, especially... With a plaintive sound as a bell. So, like, like something that would be a description in Poe or something. Sure. Why yeah, not? that's probably where I heard it. I'm well read. All right, last one. Okay. Mordency. 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 Oh shit! See, and that's going to be based on mordant, which is another word that I knew at one point, but again, cannot something to do with death. Death like. It says the first definition is a noun that does say the quality of being mordant. <laughs> but what exactly does that mean? I feel like I feel like as opposed to being I don't We may I, have had this one as a new word alert before. I feel like it's either a, a, a characteristic of a dead body or someone who's like super goth in attitude. So tell me what it is. It's an adjective. Mordant is an adjective meaning sharply caustic or sarcastic as wit or a speaker biting, burning, corrosive. I feel like we, I got this, I feel like I got this word the first time in a new word alert previously from Carmilla. Well, I feel like both my definitions sucked, so I clearly needed it again. Hey, I clearly wasn't as familiar with it as I should have been from the first time, so it needed to come up again. I'm saying, hey, clearly the universe recognized that I needed to hear it, so it gave the word to you again to bring up for me, because it's about me. 
I feel like you're trying to be mordant, but you're just failing miserably. Yeah. See, and I might have done it a little bit better just then. I'm going to plangent. And that's how the new world word crumbles. <laughs> that's it. That's I don't have anything no, else to I say. We are done saying. Wow. It was a long episode. Uh, enjoy it. Revel everyone. in it. <laughs> hit, hit, yeah. hit repeat and listen to it again. Yeah, we we had a lot of good points that definitely weren't cut Ugh. and like are all for your ears only. Mm. Your um, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Don't be so mordant, Rob. Um, Buy Rob a MacBook. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's it for us. Um, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 60 of Death Readers, the podcast where we, the Death Readers, read through the Harry Potter book series one by one, chapter by chapter, page by page, idiot word by idiot word. You've got Uh, kind of a top 20 countdown voice going on. Am I going to have to fucking do this again? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. No, it's over. We have to do it again. (laughs) Now this can go at the end. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Gazy Gazem. Top 40 chapters in Harry Potter. Um, okay. Fuck, dude. I, it was fine. I'll just cut that two out. Two hours of, the, of chatting beforehand was supposed to loosen me up, and now you've got me all stressed. Smack yourself um, in the face really hard. No, thank you. Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. My fucking God. If we... See, I feel like I'm not the one stopping the show from starting. That's how it feels. <laughs> I know. But if you were just better... <laughs> what? I don't silent recognition of the thing you did (laughs) um see it's funnier when you explain it i've been telling people this for years (laughs) you know it's occurring to me just now at the end of this whole adventure experience experience that i should have been putting excitement the chapters we were reading in the show notes (laughs) episode 60s book seven chapters four five and six great idea Sounds like I know what you're doing this weekend. Oh, fuck. Harry and Ginny on fooling around on the Hogwarts ground. What were they up to? 49. I was going to say seven minutes in heaven, which would have probably worked better. But, but 49, seven times seven. Yeah. Yeah. Are you trying to make a 69 joke? No, that would be dumb. <laughs> I feel like seven minutes in heaven is not only seven, not a multiple of. I'm just but saying. It's also, I'm saying Harry's also far more, more acrobatic kids are than do. anyone engaged in a sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got the flexibility of a seeker. He puts his legs up in the air. Seven I founders we, of Hogwarts, seven houses. I said that already. Damn it! I was busy thinking about forty-nine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a math checkout. Yeah, it works. This is going to be the best. This is going to stop the podcast cold. I was right about that. (laughs) 